eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. And uh, we're going to get into this. I want to talk about Jawan Johnson. You know, this is a guy who came to the NFL as a wide receiver. He, he had to make himself into, into a player that, that you know, we, we had to talk about every week. And that wasn't always the case, right? He has disappeared for long stretches throughout his career. But this year, more often than not, he showed up. He had three catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown today. He has five touchdowns in his last five games. He's leading the Saints in touchdown receptions with five. And no one else on the team has more than three. Good for him. You know, he's a guy who should be a weapon, and he has turned into one uh, this at this point in the season. Definitely something that none of us saw coming. And I think there were even some concerns, like, in training camp, you know, it, his roster spot definitely wasn't guaranteed, I would say. I mean, yeah, there were people saying like, oh, Lucas Carl's going to make it and we're going to bump Jawan Johnson. I wasn't one of those people. But, no, but you know, I was just saying, though, yeah, I remember like it hearing it. Right. It wasn't anything that was guaranteed. He was definitely I don't I wouldn't say it was on the bubble even, but there was some talk going into camp like Jawan Johnson's spot is definitely not solidified. Obviously, not, Let's put it this way. If he had a bad camp, there was a reality where he got caught. That's a good. I think that's a good way to put it. Is like right. his spot was not guaranteed. Like if he had laid an egg in camp and he just didn't look good, you could have feasibly seen him missing the roster. But obviously, it didn't happen. He had a rough set of OTAs. Like I don't think he looked great until camp started. Um, but you know, and he's really shined since. You know, a lot of his his production may have come in quote unquote garbage time. You know, he had the two touchdowns against the Cardinals. He had that late touchdown against the Ravens. I want to say. Yeah. Today, that was obviously a meaningful touchdown. He had that that catch on third and one, or 
I think it was third and one early in the game when the Saints were getting really aggressive, and I think that really set the tone for how they were going to attack the the Rams in this game. And it's just good to see. Yeah, a guy that, too, he talked about, I think it was when we were at that week in Green Bay, the fact that was a whole new world for him just because uh, it's something obviously he had never done before, and just the the mental part of being a tight end was just so so much more intense that he even imagined. Where does it mean to get back on track? Uh, it feels good. I mean, anytime you get a win, uh, you know, you come back in the locker room, you got guys dancing, guys, you know, just gelling together. But uh, definitely when you have the offense clicking, you got the defense, you know, making stops, it always feels good to, you know, so um, you just got to keep going. That's pretty much the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. You're making your catches count. You lead this team with five touchdown receptions. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, it was never about me. I mean, that's how, that's all I'm going to say. That's that's how I've always been. Um, it's always glory to God first, but it's always, you know, to my teammates, it's doing it in service to them. You know, I, I, I play for them pretty much. So it was never about me. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing uh, about this whole team is that we got a whole bunch of guys who aren't playing for themselves individually. And that's when success comes. Um, just playing for the other guy across from you. Me and Trout said before the before the game started that I'm playing for you and I'm, uh, he's playing for me. So that's just the biggest thing about the whole thing, just playing for each other. But a lot of talented players on this offense to lead this team in receptions has to mean something. Yeah, something, but like I said before, and I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't really harp on like uh, personal achievements. It's, it was never about me. Um, I just work hard so I can, you know, so we can win, and uh, we can win the Super Bowl, win championships, divisional stuff. It was never about me. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Juwan Johnson, back in Kansas City. That touchdown penalty kind of boxed out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is like Mike's route right here. But uh, since Mike's going, I kind of like t- taking that role of being like that box out guy in that certain position. So um, it was kind of like a box out position and kind of like doing my thing. I like playing basketball. Mike's done it well for so many years. And so just watching his film and kind of emulating that uh, is kind of like the biggest thing. So, yeah, just all I had to do is make the catch and use my big body. Well, I mean, it's just like it's just all about watching film. Uh, I mean, like I said, he's done a, a great job running the route. He, he he scored on the touchdown in Tampa, so it's like it's nothing different from what he does. And so I just have to do the same thing. He's so successful at doing it, so I'm just like doing the same thing. Yeah, so that was obviously Jawan Johnson talking about his game. You know, I did think it's interesting that you know he's saying, "Oh yeah, that's Mike's route," right? Right. Because right. you know, I've always said like Mike basically is a big is a, is a fast tight end you know like obviously he doesn't line up at the y you know but the way he plays throughout his career is like yeah you use that body you box people out you get open you make the catch with strong hands and that's what Jawan is able to do um what he needed to be able to do was become a better blocker and he's becoming i don't i still think he has some work to do as a blocker but he's gotten good enough that you can keep him on the field and when you have him on the field he can be a weapon and that's what he was in this game yeah, there's no doubt that Johnson's been one of the brighter spots on this offense this season, and I didn't think his contributions would be this large this year. And even though there things haven't been pretty at times or perfect, at least you know there, there's more reason to believe that Johnson's going to develop even more into this role as he gets more acclimated as a tight end. This year alone, you know, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games now with at least 30 yards receiving and multiple catches. And the the consistency is what you want to see. You know, he's a tight end. Tight ends are never going to have gaudy numbers week to week unless you're a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, you know. But you just want them to be involved and you want them to continue to be, be a consistent threat. 
And that's what he's been. And, and, you know, especially in the red zone in touchdown scoring areas. Um, and that's, and that's a good thing. So his stats on the game, three catches on four targets, 47 yards and a touchdown. He's got about 45 targets on the season. You know, he's going to blow away all of his career high numbers. Uh, he already has in touchdowns. He had tied his career high with four. And now he has five. And so, you know, the guy you keep looking at and saying, you know, poking him with a stick and saying, do something is, is Adam Troutman. Um, he actually had some involvement today, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, this is Jawan's role in that, in that, you know, flex tight end position and he's not giving it back. Yeah, I would agree that totally there definitely seems to be more of that chemistry, that bond with Andy Dalton and Juwan Johnson than Troutman. And I don't know what, what Troutman's deal is. I know obviously he had that concussion early on that he was coming back from, but just hasn't really assimilated into this offense. He's had a, a catch here or there in games that, you know, have maybe made your eyes pop a little, but just nothing really consistent from him. No, he's Josh Hill. Right, like what you you were hoping you did weren't expecting Josh Hill as a blocker. He's been fine as a blocker. He hasn't been great, but I mean that's that's what you have in Adam Troutman. Now you don't trade up into the third round and pick Adam Troutman expecting him to be Josh Hill, right? So that's a miss. But I mean that's what you have, right? You have a you have a young, cheap blocking tight end, and that's going to be his role. You know, I think we can all just except that we don't need to go in every offseason saying, well, maybe Adam Troutman can suddenly be a weapon in the passing game. It's not going to happen, but he can be a consistent blocking tight end. It's one of the reasons I think you're comfortable releasing Nick Finette, which happened this week, because he, that's his role. you know. And it's not the, the sexiest role you can have, but that's what he is. And Juwan Johnson is going to continue to be the downfield weapon at the tight end position. I think that is that is a positive for the Saints. And you know, anytime you can define your role, I think that's a good thing. They could end up playing that, you know, the whole shuffle game too, though, with Vinette and bring him back. Oh, I think they will. I mean, he took a pay cut to stay here. Yeah. So, like, he wants to be here. And he was already, I'm sure his pay cut was took, taking him down to the minimum. So, in this instance, he's the guy who gets waived, right? Like, that's why you want him at the minimum so that when you bring him back, you don't have to figure out the money, right? You're just, okay, you're, you're signed at the minimum. We're going to waive you. We're going to bring you back on Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. Don't pack your stuff. You know, whether and he might come back in the practice squad, who knows? But, you know, that's why you do that, right? And it's like, okay, Nick, you're making above the minimum. We need to we need to bring your salary down so that we can, you know, make this work. Same thing that they tried to do with Latavius Murray last year and Latavius wasn't having it. Nick did take that pay cut so i would be surprised if now he's not willing to play ball and just come back on a, on a minimum deal but either way you know it is what it is one guy who will have to give his his job back at some point but is playing way way far above and beyond what i think a lot of people expected at least people who had not seen him play before is Caden ellis you know he has i think hit like 27 tackles on the season he led the team with 10 today he had one and a half sacks and, you know, he's just continued to thrive in a role that, you know, you didn't know what to expect from. You were losing Pete Warner, a guy who has been everything to this defense over the first however many nine weeks that he had played. And Caden has really come in. And you know, I don't think you've seen that much of a drop off. Obviously, the defense didn't have its greatest day in Pittsburgh. But, you know, I don't think that they they struggled as mightily as you thought they might with losing Pete Warner. So that's that's really positive. I, I really like Caden Ellis and talking to him. He's a very positive presence. You can always, there's just a, an aura about somebody, a guy that he's the uh, oldest of 12 siblings. Wait, what? Uh, his, yeah, 12 siblings. Uh, his 12? Son, 
12, right. His brother plays on the Eagles. Uh, Christian, Christian Ellis is on Philly. And his dad, Luther, was a former NFL All-Pro defensive lineman. Uh, just a, a big football family there. 12? And uh, a guy that's easy to root for, I feel like. They could have an entire team. Yes, he could field some. I, I, I don't know if it's all brothers, obviously, but I do, I do know it's 12 siblings. That's wild. I did not realize that. That's insane. Anyway, I'm just blown you know away. What's funny about what, what do they all have great do? cheekbones? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to get like a big family photo to look at. What's funny, uh, <laughs> talking to him previously, he had said that, you know, he didn't get recruited by a lot of schools because he desperately wanted to play quarterback in college. And he told some coaches that he didn't want to play defense. And now look at him, which is amazing. He wanted to be a quarterback. Well, yeah, and he's also, you know, he's another Utah guy. He went to school at Idaho. Um. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But, and I think what, what DeMario, we asked DeMario about Caden's performance. And I think, you know, his, his, his answer kind of summed it all up pretty nicely. Oh man. Uh, five, five has probably been for the last couple years, the best kept secret in the NFL. We knew what type of player he was and now he's getting that opportunity and he's showing it to the world. Uh-huh. I don't know if anybody's shocked when they watch it in our building. Um, I'm sure he's shocking a lot of people who didn't know. Um, but just give it time. He's going to be on everybody's radar. Yeah. And I mean, I think he's a guy who struggled to stay healthy early in his career. You know, I think he would have gotten an opportunity before now if he had been able to stay healthy. Right. He's been on a team forever. It's not like I know, he's, it's a, he's a I think he's heading. This is year four. Right. Right. It's not like he's a new, new, new face. And you're like, wow, I can't believe we. We never got to see him before. He hasn't been healthy. Yeah, he's kind of like Chase Hansen. You know, like every year, it's like they bring him back because they clearly they like him. But you know, prior to this year, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And uh, he he has this year, and I think he has earned himself some money. Right, mm-hmm. like that's the thing. You're looking at a guy who's going to be a free agent, and you're putting really good tape out there. <laughs> and uh, who knows? You know, maybe he gets a decent contract lobbed his way by by a linebacker needy team. But, you know, and, and the Saints have a pretty good pedigree of, of, of establishing linebackers. So, you know, it's just just good for him. He, he he's worked hard. He's always been there. You know, it's I think he's a very, very underappreciated piece of this team, especially because, you know, they don't really run the Sam position out there. So even though he was technically the starter at the Sam, you're only getting like eight, 12 reps a game. And so just proving he can do it at will, I think is really positive because, you know, if the Saints are that team that signs him and Demario Davis isn't going to play forever and you and, you know, there's a scenario where maybe, you know, Demario calls it and you move Pete Warner over to the mic and you have Caden in it. Well, you know, I'm obviously going way down the road here, but the fact that that's now on the table is is good because this is a team that I've criticized it for, for not having a lot of depth that you could see stepping into a starting role. And, you know, that's it's good to see that they at least at linebacker have that. This is what you love about the NFL too. Caden Ellis, seventh round draft pick for this team and has easily outperformed third round pick Zach Bond. It doesn't matter where you were drafted. It's it's all about, you know, what you're doing now and I just just impressive to see a guy like that 
being able to outperform his draft status, I guess you would say. Yeah, I mean, I think Zach has done a decent job the last few weeks. He's had to step up into the Sam role, which obviously it's it's not a heavily emphasized role on a team, on any team really, because everyone's running sub packages and running that extra defensive back out there as often as possible. Chris Harris, we haven't really talked about him. He got victimized a bit on uh, on the by Tutu Atwell, which great name. 64 yeah. yard, I think, touchdown. I, I believe that was Tutu's first career touchdown, too. It was, and he was going about 21 and a half miles an hour, according to Next Gen Stats. I think that's something that, you know, from a defensive game planning perspective, it's something you have to be aware of because I think Chris Harris is a solid nickel cornerback, right? He's a guy who's always played inside, and that's where he is is at his best. Earlier in his career, you know, maybe you could have moved him outside and he could have held up. He is not a guy you want to see trying to run with someone down the edge of the field, particularly not a guy as fast as Tutu Atwell. And uh, so yes, the speedy Tutu, the speedy Tutu. And like, it's clear the Rams saw that, saw that matchup and they want, they wanted to get him out in space and see if he could run. And they were able to take advantage of advantage of it on that one play, which came right after the saints drove and kicked a field goal. So they held the lead for a solid 14 seconds. And the Rams were able to get a couple more looks like that. They weren't able to take advantage. Matt Stafford missed, what's his name, Skoranek. Later in the game on a similar play, you had you had Chris Harris trying to chase him to the edge of the field. And so I think that's something as a, from a game planning perspective. You need to be aware that teams are going to try to do that, especially teams with burners that they can push and they can move into the slot and like kind of get creative um, because other teams are going to try to do that. Yeah, to, I missed that complete touchdown by 2-2 because I was watching the special teams coach, Darren Rizzi, laying into uh, Will Lutz. And I'm, I was trying to see what it was all about. And I'm assuming is because he didn't kick the ball far enough for a touchback uh, on the Rams. But I, I couldn't make it out. And the next thing you know, boom, that one play and the Rams were in the end zone. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Uh, but really, it's, we've seen the Saints being victimized on these quote-unquote shot plays, the big plays downfield, and that was just another one that I was hoping was not a thing, you know, that was going to continue in that game, and thankfully did not. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a well-designed play by the Rams, right? They were able to get the matchup they wanted and take advantage of it. It was a good throw. Guys, just really fast. (laughs) You know, there's not much more complicated to it than that. Tyron couldn't get over the top in time. Kind of like the LaVishka Chenault TD that that happened? No, completely different. Okay. Because that was a screen. Yeah, like I said, I didn't even see the two-two. I have to see the replay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the, this was a this was a go route where he completely outran Chris Harris and Matt Stafford put it over the top. Lavisca Chenault was a screen that PJ Williams came up and missed, missed the tackle, tackle, right? And then he got out running, and I'm sure he was going pretty fast too. But <laughs> just a completely, I mean, it's different. Still a big play. Still a play right. you can't let happen. But yeah, it's funny you you didn't see the play because I didn't either because <laughs> I got up to go to the bathroom after the after the field goal. Right. And I was like, oh, worst case scenario, I missed like one play on the next drive. <laughs> the next drive was only one play. <laughs> and yeah. like I heard it like I was I was like refilling the coffee cup on my way back. And I was like, wait, what? And I look over and it's like, yeah, OK, touchdown. Uh, the Saints are down seven to three. Great. Cool. Fun stuff. And then I got up and went to the bathroom in the second half. And I was like, <laughs> I was worried that, you know, it was it was me. And like they were going to score on the next play. Uh, didn't happen. Thankfully, so well, that was a thing, you know, with the completely off topic here, I guess. But when this the Rams had that long drive, scored that touchdown right before halftime, 
that was so key for the Saints to come out on that opening drive and go down and put points on the board right it away. They really had to. You know, it's easy to forget that they were down 14 to 10 at halftime. And, you know, you go into that half, this is a three and seven football team who has not done anything to make you think that they're going to come out and take control of this game after halftime. The offensive line is in shambles. Aaron Donald is on the other side, yeah. right? They did an excellent job against him. Uh, DA said that their plan was put as many hats on him as possible, right? Like, do not let him go one-on-one. And I think it was an interesting thing to watch because there were a couple plays where they did leave, like Landon Young, for example. There was one play where they just left him on an island one-on-one, and it was like, okay, yeah, this is going to be a three-step, get the ball out of your hand as quickly as possible play. And that's that's what it was. And so, you know, I think they did a really good job of always being aware of where Aaron Donald was and, and, and you know, scheming your offense to account for that. And it's just, it's the type of thing that they just didn't do well a lot of the season, right? So, you know, hopefully this is a sign of things to come in terms of being able to, you know, tailor your offense to the matchup and execute. I'm, I'm just happy tomorrow, we, uh, on Monday, we'll get to watch a little bit of a preview of the San Francisco 49ers and finally the other team yeah. that the Saints have to play are on a short week at least. Yeah. I know the Saints have to go out to the West Coast, but I'll take any kind of advantage of playing, uh, getting a little more rest than the 49ers this week than possible. The Saints are actually in, you know, they, they've gotten past all of their negative week scheduling. And so now they just have positive scheduling because you have obviously, you have a full week and the 49ers are coming up a short week. Then you get a, an extra day of rest going into Monday night and then you have a bye. So you're playing on Monday night twice, but you don't have to suffer through that short week because you're hitting a bye. So that is that is an advantage because you get the extra day and you don't have to worry about the short week on the back end. Coming by week. What's a, what's a bye week? Right. Coming back from the bye, I'm hearing that that's going to be a Saturday game. Right. So you don't have to suffer through a short week with Saturday. And that's the reason you that that happens, right? Like it makes sense because the Saints play on Saturday the following week. Right. So you don't again, you don't get a short week despite playing on Saturday. You just lose a day off of the extra week that you had off anyway. So you play twice on Saturday without having to deal with a short week. And then the week after that, you get a long week. You get an extra day because you play on Christmas Eve. So, you know, that's that's helpful, right? So if you can put a couple wins together, get some guys healthy and come back after the bye, you know, you, maybe you are in a position where you you get the, all that extra rest, you get an extra day, you know, you're dealing with teams that might be hitting in the injury bug themselves. Maybe they're at a point where their season's over and they're tanking, you know, or maybe you get into week 617 and the Eagles have already wrapped up the NFC East and they don't have as much, you know, maybe they're trying to rest some guys to get healthy for the playoffs. I mean, I think if you can go out to San Francisco and win a game, the entire tenor of this season changes and you start to feel like there's a, there's hope. I'm not going to go down that road right now because beating the Rams is kind of like beating the Raiders. Anyone can do it and it's not that interesting. Right. You got to string a couple wins together. And so, you know, I'm hopeful, right? I, I don't see there being any benefit in being just constantly negative like so many people that follow me on Twitter seems to think it, it, it like I think that you look for reasons to be optimistic otherwise why are you here <laughs> so that's well, what I'm doing right now well, we're on the Saints payroll remember yes that's true they do pay me but I never see that money for some reason anyway yeah let's wrap up that segment we're gonna hit to a quick mailbag after this get your comments in there and we'll try to answer as many as we can inside black and gold coming at you after the Saints 
27 to 20 victory over the Rams. About damn time you had a good game. All right, stick around, y'all.